one of my heroes in the faith, Mario Barillo. He always preaches with the with the mic stand, so he can still make all his hand gestures. So, so I'm gonna. We'll see. Amen. All right. Well, um, you know, Eric shared kind of in the beginning about our prophetic words last week. And that's fun, and that's powerful. And he said to us, he said um, that you've got a war with your prophetic words. And, And I know many of you may not even know what that means. I preached a message about that a long time ago, 2008, on how to war with your prophetic words. But I want you to know something that is very important is that even if you do nothing with your prophetic words, I want you to know that the kingdom of darkness heard everything. And so what, what you've got to understand is that even if you do nothing, the kingdom of hell is going to make war with you now. So this week, if you had a bad week, if you had a hard week, if you came in angry this morning, whatever those issues are, guess what? Hell is making war with you. So... As Charlene prophesied, the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing and forceful, violent people take hold of it. So you can't just sit back and take that. You can't just sit back and let your emotions run amok. You can't just sit back and let the problems of this week just overwhelm you. You've got a war with your worship, with the word of God. And so I just encourage you with that, that, that hell will still make war with you whether you fight back or not. Amen? Um, well, this morning I want to I remind us of another prophetic word. Um, Dennis Kramer came in, um, in August when it was nice and warm, sunny, no need for a coat or pants. But he came and he prophesied over us again. And one of the things in that prophecy, if you remember, and I'm going to just, I'll read it to you just so you can, so we can all remember it. One of the things he prophesied in, uh, over us as a church is he said, and here's what he, this is what he prophesied. He says, and the Lord would say, son, I am going to cause this church to be theologically sound. More sound than it has ever been. For there are some folks in the community that are criticizing this church for not being grounded in the word. They couldn't be more wrong. So we are going to show them. God says this work, this church, this work, will be grounded in the word of God, a new emphasis on a working theology that will not be able to be argued with will come to the forefront in this house, says the Lord. Do you agree with that? Does that sound like something the Bible might say? Then in Christmas, uh, we had another emerging prophetic voice speak to us. And he spoke about having the necessity of how we've got to have both the word of God and the spirit. You remember that? Very profound. You have to have both the spirit and the word. You can't have one without the other. 
So today what I want to talk about is I want to talk about something that I have talked about many, 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 many times. And not just me. I want to talk about your Bible. If you got one, just lift it up. Even if it's a digital one, I'm cool with that. Come on, seriously, I want to see it. As far as your hand will go in the air. There you go. Okay. That's awesome. But several, several, several months ago, I spoke about um, reading your Bible 15 minutes a day. And I even asked people to stand up and if they said if they read their Bible every day. We had about 10, maybe 15 people stood up. Some of which later confessed that they lied. Because <laughs> they didn't want to look bad for not being a Bible reader. It's okay. Well, you know, ever since we, we started this church 17 years ago, there is one statement. There is one statement that I have heard over and over and over. And it's this. I hate reading. I guess I'll get over to the youth because they're the ones who are feeling the power right now. Listen, not just kids. I've heard it from adults my entire history in serving the Lord. I hate reading. I, or maybe they said this, I hated school. Now, I realize that Newcastle is predominantly a blue-collar city. And sometimes that means that people don't have maybe a high value or love for education or reading. I, I understand that. But today, I want to challenge that. I want to challenge those paradigms because the, as, as the people of God, we have become more than a blue-collar workforce. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 2, if you have your Bible, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, it says that you... That's me. Say, everybody say, that's me. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We have been made kings in the royal lineage of Jesus Christ himself. The Bible says over and over that we are no longer slaves. The Bible says that we are more than conquerors. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6, it says that God raised us 
He raised us up with Christ and he seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. I realize that your, your, your flesh bag, your, your, your whatever, your skin, your flesh, your bones, I realize it's right now in this room. But supernaturally and in the spirit, you are sitting on a throne with Jesus Christ right now. Right now. This isn't just some fantasy that you're seated with Christ, that you're, that you're a royal priesthood. It's not just some kind of, you know, once upon a time Cinderella story that's make-believe. We really are royal kings with Jesus. We, we, we really are seated with him. But I have to ask myself this question. What kind of king doesn't like to read? What kind of king despises education and won't pursue wisdom? What kind of king is that? Very well. Nicely said. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. No, don't do that. Don't do that. I forgot to take that out. I don't want that one. I want the next one, Proverbs 30. Proverbs 30 and verse 21, it says, Under three things the earth trembles, under four it cannot bear up. A slave when he becomes king, and a fool when he is filled with food. Now I want to kind of explain or talk about this. You see, yeah, we only need the first one. We don't need all four for this. When we move from bondage, from slavery, when we move from slavery to kingship, sometimes not everything changes in our thinking. What happens is we become kings through Jesus, but sometimes we still think like a slave. We still live with the mentality of someone who's inferior, who's in bondage. Even though you've been made fully a king in Christ Jesus. And here's one of the things that slaves think. Slaves believe that knowledge and wisdom is reserved for the intelligent and for the privileged. Well, guess what? You have become privileged when you said yes to Jesus. You no longer have to think or live like a slave. And one of the ways that kings get trained is they get an education and the word of God. Proverbs chapter 2. 
starting in verse 1. It says, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it like silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then, everybody say then, you will understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He holds victory in store for the upright. Come on, someone shout amen. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless, for he guards the course of the just, and he protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what it is right and just and fair. You justice people, you can't have a justice if you don't base it in the word. Life's not fair. The Bible's fair. Every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. And discretion will protect you. And understanding will guard you. Now, did you notice that verse, verse 4 said that you have to look for wisdom? You have to look for it like you were in your backyard looking for silver or gold. And what would it look like if somehow someone pulled up some ancient document of Henry County and they said, did you know that over 80% of the, the property in Henry County <clears throat> has buried silver and gold from the Civil War. It was, it was hidden here. What do you think you'd all go do in your backyard? You'd be digging up property that wasn't yours. You'd be at the park digging holes. You'd be downtown. The Word of God, the treasures of the Bible, right in your backyard. Here's the thing. People with a poverty mindset wait for a handout. Mm. People with a poverty mindset wait for a handout. Kings go on a quest for hidden treasure. And the number one way to find treasure in the kingdom of heaven is through reading your Bible. It's the number one way. Now, I know many of you are saying right now, I've tried reading. It's so hard. I can't focus. I get distracted. I don't remember what I read. I, I get that. I get it. I understand. But listen, here's something you may not realize. Reading is a skill that has to be developed. 
just like learning to tie your shoe or learning how to cook food without burning it or learning how to balance your checkbook. Reading is a skill that has to be developed. It's not some kind of gift that's just given to a lucky few of us. In fact, no one's really born with the skill of reading. No one's born with the ability to read and comprehend and and then be able to communicate it to someone else. But listen, we are born with a tendency to enjoy reading and books. How many of you had a favorite book when you were a child? A few of you, okay. That might describe the problem. We'll pray for you if your mom never read to you. There's an emotional scar somewhere, I'm sure we'll deal. Listen, all my children have enjoyed sitting with me or my wife to read books. Every one of them. I mean, they would carry them around like little trophies. Right now, my youngest, David, he, he loves his books so much, he's now eating them. Seriously. He's literally getting a head start on how to digest the Word of God. Because he chews on the book. Pieces of it are inside him. He, he's probably passed it by now. but Cardboard goes down well once it's lots of saliva with it. But you get my point, right? See, when, when we're children, we love books. We love the act of reading. We love the act of being read too. So hating to read is something we learn. I'm going to say that again. Hating to read is something we learn. It becomes something that is an outcome of some kind of negative experience or, or many, many bad experiences. And it most likely happened when you were in school. Now listen, I, I want you to know, I hated reading as much as the next person. I did. I hated reading more than anything. I did not read one single assigned novel in any of my English classes. Not one. I figured out how to cheat on every test I ever took. Just saying, sin abounds when you're before Jesus. I asked the class before me what were the questions. I tried to get answers to test. I would master how to look at my neighbor's smart neighbor's paper. I had it all down. So I remember what these feelings are like. I hate reading. I hate school. I remember that. And I had never read an entire book my whole life until after I had dedicated my life to Jesus. And once I, I f- gave my life fully to God, I finally had something interesting that I wanted to learn about. 
So I get it. I understand what it means to hate school and hate reading. But as I said before, hatred for learning and hatred for reading most likely came from your school experience. Maybe you were asked to read out loud and kids made fun of you. Uh, Maybe um, a teacher shamed you in class or privately. Maybe um, your grades started failing because you struggled with reading. I mean, the, the majority of scholastic success is based on your ability to read. That means that you are being assessed and judged starting with the very first day you come into school. Do you know your ABCs? Can you already write your alphabet? I learned the alphabet in kindergarten. You need to know how to read basic words when you enter kindergarten now. And so, so the very first day you come into school, you're immediately being judged, immediately being assessed. And as those assessments and those judges start pi- judgments start piling up, something starts to happen. Labels start showing up. Based on your performance, you start collecting various assortment of labels. You know, they usually start with uh, labels that the enemy whispers into your ear as a child. Stuff like, you're stupid. What's wrong with me? You read like a baby. You can't understand anything. Or, or maybe you, your parents uh, started declaring things over you like, like, you don't care about school. You don't care about your future. You're never going to get a job. Life is over if you bring home one more F. You want to get cut from the team and be a loser? Let all your teammates down? Keep getting bad grades. And the more labels start to come, from the professionals in your life. You know, the professional institution that is in charge of educating you, they start assessing you and they start labeling you. Maybe, maybe they put you in the basic reading class. You know, and then kids start making fun of you and call you things like special ed or some other kind of put down. Maybe you got a clinical label. Maybe you got something like ADD attached to you. ADHD, hyperactivity, OCD, dyslexia. And as we all know that when the professionals start handing out labels, then they must be true. Sometimes those labels are comforting. Because it gives us a a reason why we can't read, why we can't focus, why we can't comprehend. When we hear those labels, we feel kind of relieved because it's not my fault. There's something wrong with my brain. 
And so when we, when we believe those labels like I'm not smart or I'm not a reader or I'm not book smart or, and, and then we attribute some kind of mental defect, then, then what happens is we, we stop feeling responsible for our learning. I mean, really, who blames a blind person for being blind? Who blames a deaf person for not being able to hear? No one does. In fact, we all take a lot of great care in serving those people who with those challenging situations. And that's the right thing to do. We should care. We should serve those people with disabilities. But here's my question. Where does blindness come from? Where does deafness come from? Where does ADD come from? Where did all those labels like I'm not a reader, I'm not book smart, I hate reading, I don't understand what I read. Where did all that come from? Are they gifts given to you by God? Are they benefits that come with being the children of God? Did did God plan to give some people two eyes, but he never wanted them to use them? Did Did he give some people two ears, but he never wanted them to hear? Or, or did God bless some people with a beautiful mind but never wanted them to be able to focus on much of anything? Are all these the blessings of heaven? Are these the good gifts that come down from the Father of lights? No. No, no, they're not. Jesus told us what it looks like when heaven invades the earth. He showed us what the Father's will is for every single person. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 5 says this. This is Jesus speaking. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. That's what comes from heaven. And then if you look in Isaiah chapter 11, there's a prophecy speaking about Jesus, starting in verse 2. It says, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Guess what happened when Jesus saved you? His spirit comes and lives inside of you, and now you have the spirit of wisdom and understanding and knowledge and counsel. Do you realize that's healing for your brain? So if these are the gifts of heaven, if if this is the fruit of heaven invading the earth, why are we still holding on to all our negative labels? It's because something terrible has happened. Those labels have become a part of your identity. 
Those curses have now become how you identify yourself. Those labels have become a part of who you are. Every time you say, I'm not a reader, you strengthen that curse. Every time you say, I hate reading, you strengthen that curse. It digs deeper and deeper into the fabric of who you think you are. Wake up. And when the enemy sows these lies into the fabric of who you are, you become a captive. I want you to know Jesus came to set captives free. Matthew 4, verse 23, says that when Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Every sickness and disease was healed by Jesus. And guess what? He still does that. And that includes your brain and how it works. Jesus heals it all. Now, as I said earlier, sometimes our learning or reading problems get a clinical label, and it brings us a sense of relief. We, we finally have an official label to call my problem. But I want you to know that label did not come from heaven. That label wasn't something Father God gave to you. And what happens is that label becomes a way in which we see the world. It becomes a part of who we are. We just accept it. Well, what I want to do this morning is I want to confront your diagnosis. I want to confront your weakness with the healing power of Jesus Christ. I want to help lead you into your promised land. You know, in the book of Numbers, we read about how Moses led the Israelites up to the edge of the promised land. And then he spent some, uh, sent some spies in to the promised land to check it out. And when the spies came back, most of them were discouraged and afraid. Numbers 13, verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they, are spread among, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. And they said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw are there of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, who are the descendants of Anak. And we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we look the same to them. That night, all of the people of the community raised their voices and they bawled like babies. 
All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said, If only we had died in Egypt or in the desert. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us to fall by the sword? Our wives, our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose another leader and go back to Egypt. Listen, when we start to confront the issues that we have allowed to define us, we can get scared. Because our problem makes us feel like grasshoppers in the face of what the professionals have said. And when the Israelites saw the giants, they wanted to go back into slavery in Egypt rather than face their giants. Listen, here's what I want to declare. Do not let ADD or OCD or ADHD or dyslexia be the giant that keeps you in slavery. Don't let your negative school experience define who you are now in Jesus Christ. You can't hold on to those labels any longer. The blood of Jesus paid to erase all of that. Now, I want to read something this morning. From the Educational Sozo Manual. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with Sozo, it's a ministry we do. Provides healing for people in their thought life, their emotions. Well, this, uh, this was written by a guy by the name of Dr. Jeffrey Barshk. And um, he holds his doctorate in educational psychology. Uh, he and his wife are the Southern California Regional Directors for the Bethel Sozo, as well as they're the directors of the Ventura Healing Rooms in Ventura, California. But what I want to read is a prophetic dream uh, the Lord gave him concerning this issue of negative labels and thoughts that we have about ourselves, either as readers or uh, learners. And, and just so you know, Dr. Barsh, because of his doctorate in, in educational psychology, he, he knows the parts of the brain. So when the Lord gave him this dream, he, he did it based because he knew he'd get what I'm showing him. Okay, so I'm going to read this. It says, one of the dreams I had um, involves speaking negative words over your brain. The dream came as a warning. In the dream, the Holy Spirit showed me the area of the brain called Broca's area. If you would put that picture up, please. This is a brain. See that little red spot on the left side? That's called Broca's area. He knew that. And the Lord was showing him this in the dream. He said in the dream, or the broker region has to do with word finding and having rich language skills. In the dream, I saw a large flow of polluted water under Broca's area. When I asked the Holy Spirit what I was looking at, I heard that people with learning problems are often, often speaking negative comments about their brains. 
many people were verbalizing words of limitation over themselves. Sentences like, I've never been good at that, or I hate school. In the dream, I saw that speaking negative things about your own brain gradually impairs the ability of Broca's region to remember language and to function easily. People who are especially gifted in the prophetic need to be very careful what they say about their brain. Their words seem to carry extra weight and have a lot of power to cause self-harm. Repetition is the mother of all learning. And if we keep saying negative things about our brain and our learning, it may indeed come true. So here's what I want to do. I'd like everybody to just stand up right now with me, please. And I, for any kids that are still left, I think God can use, you know, how the Lord takes a bad thing and makes a good thing. I think it's good that maybe our kids are with us today. Because some of them have uh, got some labels. Here's what I want to deal with. I want to deal with this area of your brain this morning. And I'm just going to lead us in a prayer this morning. And so if you... If you've been one of these people who say, I hate reading, I I hated school, I'm not smart, or you've got a a label of ADD, ADHD, dyslexia, um, OCD, hyperactivity, whatever, whatever label's been handed to you that didn't come from heaven, I want you to go through this prayer with me. And so here's what I want you to do. If, If you're just by yourself and you don't have kids, I want you to take your hand and just place it on that part of your, your, your left side of your brain. Left, left side. <laughs> left. This is your left. The broke's area is on your left. Now, if you've got kids here and they've got learning issues, then go ahead and place your hands on the left side of their head. Okay. I know you don't have enough hands for all your kids, then you might just stack their heads together and make a sandwich, hold them all at one time. Okay? Here's why. Because parents, you have authority over your children. Those kids that are still living in your house, you have authority over them. So place your hand on yourself, place it on on your kids, and we're going to administer healing. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and I want you to pray this prayer out loud, okay? Are you ready? Father God, forgive me for limiting you by my own words. I repent for seeing the problems I have been having as overwhelming. I ask you, Lord, that I would not be like the spies who came back from the promised land and gave a negative report. I will partner with you and what you say about me. I declare that your arm is not too short 
to heal my brain. Lord Jesus, please remove the polluted water under Broca's region in my brain and restore my language center to the way you created it. By the blood of Jesus and the cross of Calvary, I declare that right now, as I speak these words, you are healing my brain. Holy Spirit, help me to be aware of any negative statements I might make about my learning abilities. I want to change in the name of Jesus. And everyone says, Amen. Come on, praise him. It's healing. We have to deal with these issues because they develop your identity. And if you don't change your identity, you'll never be someone who reads the Bible. I can give you skill after skill after tactic after practice after all. I can equip you with how to read your Bible. But if you believe yourself to be not a reader, you will never do anything I equip you with. You must deal with the negative labels that have identified you up till now. But today, you're free. The slate's clean. You don't ever have to say ever again, I'm not a reader. I don't know what I read. I hate reading. Never do you have to say that again. So listen, this is your assignment this week. This is your assignment. I want you to sit down this week and write on a piece of paper all of those negative labels that you've spoken or it's been handed to you either by your teachers or professionals, doctors, parents, I don't care, whoever, wherever, classmates. And I want you to renounce those labels and pray the truth of who you are in Jesus this week. And then you take that piece of paper up and you wad it and you throw it away. That's your assignment this week. Amen? Well, next week, I am going to talk about what the Bible says about your identity as a reader and as a learner of God. Do you have something, Alger? You're... Come on, you're awful antsy. Bring it. I, I see the, the I got something shuffle. I just thought it was, I know we've heard about Joshua several times today. And I read last night, I read that too, for some reason. But I just feel that the Lord is saying, today I'm setting a new direction. I'm using this man to set a direction and a course for this body of Christ. He is going to be the leader. He is going to show you the way. And you must, you must take what he says and take it to heart Take it to heart. Do not let it go. Do not lay it aside. But grab it. Run with it. And do not be like the spies back in Joshua's days. For this is a new season. This is a year of change.
those who have courage, those who have the tenacity, those who are willing to step forth into their callings and their destinies that he has for you, you must grab this and you must run with this. Praise God. This is going to end the service. If you want extra prayer, if you've got something in your brain, you've got maybe whatever, you feel like you need some extra help, I'm going to call the, the, the prayer team up. Um, we're going to lay hands on you and uh, do some more warfare as far as you're concerned. God bless you, youth. Let Sarah Hughes know if you're going to have pizza with her after church. God bless you in Jesus' name. Altar team, if you would come forward.